You are now tuned in. You are now tuned in. You are now tuned in to the World Class Hoops Podcast. The World Class Hoops Podcast. The World Class Hoops Podcast. And now, and now, and now, here's your host Chris Rouse. And now, here's your host Chris Rouse. And now, here's your host Chris Rouse. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Far too kind. Far too kind. You guys are far too kind. Thank you. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Thank you. Welcome in. Welcome in to the first edition of the World Class Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rouse, coming to you from my hometown of Chicago, Illinois, here at the 10616 Production Studio, the World Class Hoops Podcast, where we cover hoops content all around the world, wherever notable hoops content can be found but on this edition of the world class hoops podcast we'll keep it stateside it'll be pretty much all nba it probably be a relatively short episode as well here on the world class hoops podcast which you can find all over social media first on twitter at wchp network also can be found on facebook at facebook.com at wchp network And also the World Class Hoops podcast can be found across all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more for wherever you want to find the World Class Hoops podcast. Most updates of the show will be posted both on Twitter and on Facebook, so be sure to give those pages a follow or a like if you would like to stay in the loop on all world-class hoops podcast and if you want to follow me on social media i'm on twitter and instagram at king rouse 21 that's king rouse 21 k-i-n-g r-o-u-s-e 21 getting ready to record this episode here on friday evening july the 10th 2020 uh also speaking of july the 10th before i promote some of my other content which like my show students of the game which airs Thursdays on Facebook at facebook.com at Students of the Game Chicago and can be found on Twitter at SOTG Chicago, where I do a show every Thursday with my co-hosts, Justin Adams. And I want to give a quick birthday shout out to my other co-host, Joseph Gregory. Today is his birthday, and I just wanted to let him know, happy birthday, man, if he's tuning in here to the World Class Who's podcast. You also can find the Art of the Science Boxing Podcast, available on Twitter at A-R-T-O-F-S-C-I Boxing and also on Facebook at The Art of the Science. But we're here on the World Class Hoops Podcast, and after this quick message, we're going to start things out on the East Coast with some NBA talk. Silence! Silence! Huh? Art of the Science, A-L-T-S with the realest. Justin Adams. I don't even know you and I hate your guts. The Realist Boxing Podcast here bringing you the realest in boxing news, analysis, breakdowns and previews. That's some international top shelf hating that. Come do a big with The Realist every Friday. Visually, YouTube and Facebook, audio, SoundCloud, Google and Apple Podcasts. Learning from the master is your pay, punk. Alright, the New York Knicks have been in the news as of late. The New York Knicks First off, let me let me say this before before I get into what I'm about to talk about the Knicks. I have to say that the New York Knicks are one of my, you know, you know how some people say they have their Mount Rushmore. I don't say Mount Rushmore for NBA franchises because I have five, but the New York Knicks are one of my 
five flagship franchises within the NBA. Uh, the other the other four would be, of course, I'm from Chicago, so I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, and then the Philadelphia 76ers. It just seems like all is right with the basketball world when all five of those teams are, you know, they're playing good at the same time, where they, where they, where they could all be playoff teams. It just seems like, in my opinion, all is right with the world when all five of those teams are good. But that's been the issue with the New York Knicks for quite some time. <laughs> They've really been struggling, and even just recently, prior to the uh, prior to the coronavirus pandemic, which we'll talk more about later when we get into the uh, NBA restart. I mean, they they had fans at Madison Square Garden chanting that they wanted the team to be sold, and it's just it's just been a, a rough stretch for the New York Knicks. They have not been to the playoffs since 2013. They began the season with head coach David Fisdale, and he was fired in December, replaced by uh, Mike Miller. The, he was the interim coach. Mike Miller was also the former coach of the Knicks G League team, the Westchester Knicks. And he got a he got a chance this season, went 17 and 27. But the Knicks have been trying to turn things around. They even hired a new general manager in Leon Rose. But recently the Knicks have been in the news for their head coaching search. And they interviewed Tom Thibodeau, former Chicago Bulls head coach, the former 2011 NBA head coach of the year. He also has a, a former coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves helped them end a long and lengthy playoff drought back in, was it 2017, 18? I think it was 18, 2018 when they had Jimmy Butler and they went to the playoffs and uh, were defeated by the uh, Houston Rockets. Yes, it was, yes, that was 18 because that was uh, that was the year the Rockets went on to play the Warriors in the conference finals. In the, and if you saw that game, the 27 straight missed threes happened in uh, game seven if you saw that series all the way through. But anyway, Tom Thibodeau has been in the news as being the favorite for the New York Knicks job. And I can understand why I can understand why Tom Thibodeau could be the favorite for the Knicks job. But really, when you think about Tom Thibodeau, or personally when I've thought about him, I've had a couple of questions about Tom Thibodeau. Now don't get me wrong, his reputation his reputation precedes him. He's a he was the assistant coach of the Knicks from nineteen ninety six to two thousand four. He's a former coach of the year. Here he was right here in Chicago when he was coach of the year. He helped the Timberwolves in a lengthy playoff drought. I want to say it was twelve seasons, like from two thousand either five or six. I think it was two thousand five to two thousand seventeen. He helped them in a lengthy playoff drought. And the questions I have for Tom Thibodeau, or about Tom Thibodeau anyway, is two two major questions. One, what does a Tom Thibodeau led team look like? In today's NBA, and two, does Tom Thib- is Tom Thibodeau the right guy for a rebuild? Is he the right guy for a rebuilding team like the New York Knicks right now? And when I what I mean by what does a Tom Thibodeau led team look like in today's NBA? A Tom Thibodeau led team is a defensive team. Now we've all we've all heard the old adage: defense wins champions. De- excuse me, defense wins championships, and that's a that's a great idea for Tom Thibodeau, but Tom Thibodeau has also had his issues with offensive coaching in the past. I can recall a moment. Actually, I can recall a specific game when he was head coach of the Bulls. Actually, it was his last game as coach of the Bulls when they took on the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, 2015 NBA playoffs. Bulls had a long scoring drought in that ball game. They were down 22 points. They were down 20. I want to say 21, 22 points to the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
The Cleveland Cavaliers couldn't score for six minutes, but on the other end, neither could the Bulls. So what what does that look like for Tom Thibodeau? What does the Tom Thibodeau team look like offensively in today's NBA? When I look at the New York Knicks, they look like a Tom Thibodeau-led team in terms of the type of talent he has. You have your you have your bruisers inside with Mitchell Robinson and Taj Gibson. You do have a scorer similar to what he had with Derrick Rose, with what he had with Jimmy Butler. You have R.J. Barrett. You have guys that can shoot the ball. You have Kevin Knox. You have Wayne Ellington. You have Reggie Bullock. You have guys that can you have guys that can play into today's NBA. You have guys that do fit. But at the end of the day, when you look at the New York Knicks roster, you're looking at a team that this year only won 21 games, which was and that was an improvement from the 17 that they won they won last season. It's not to say that the Knicks don't have the talent, because the Knicks very well do have the talent. When you look at R.J. Barrett, you look at another former Chicago Chicago player and Bobby Portis. You look at Kevin Knox, who's a very good floor spacer. But one funny thing to me about Kevin Knox, most times when he touches the ball, he's immediately looking at the basket. He's letting it fly most times. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking him. I mean, that's today's NBA. It's just something that I noticed. And when I would, when I would watch the Knicks, when when I would watch the Knicks play, Kevin Knox would get the ball, look straight at the rim, and he's letting it fly. The Knicks do have pieces in R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Bobby Portis. They have a veteran presence in the locker room in Taj Gibson. They have a guy that can be their star in not just R.J. Barrett, but also Julius Randle, who has proven to be a force in the paint. Actually, Julius Randle was one of their two leaders in scoring. The other one has since been traded. That was Marcus Morris. Both averaged 19 points a game this season. So the Knicks have talent, but the, but, but the thing is, the talent doesn't really complement each other. When you look at Dennis Smith Jr., you look at Frank Nidalekina, you look at Alfred Payton, you have three guards that all sort of are below the, I want to say, they're all sort of outdated guards. I, I'm, for lack of a better word, sort of outdated players. Like Alfred, Alfred, Payton, Alfred Payton is not really an outside shooter. Dennis Smith Jr., he can fly, he can score. He's a guy that I think the Knicks could really do something with moving forward with him and R.J. Barrett in the backcourt. And then Frank Nidalekina, we he he's been in the league since he's been in the league. He's really seemed to struggle to find his space within the New York Knicks organization. And then you look at the front court, you have Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, a number of guys that for that sort of do the same thing. Even though Bobby Portis has more developed his ability to shoot from the outside, but the other three you're seeing them more inside. Kevin Knox is a good floor spacer, as is Wayne Ellington when you can get him looks. Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock has missed time this year with injury and personal issues. Or he he had missed time this when the Knicks season was still in play prior to the decision to restart. And you just wonder, what does a Tom Thibodeau-led team look like? This team fits his mold, but this team is a 21-win team. How what What will that look like? How... How do they find players that actually complement each other on the court and also can complement Tom Thibodeau's system? And then my second question, as I said about Tom Thibodeau, was how will he look in a rebuild? 
Now I'm not I don't I'm not trying to demean anything he's done in the past. He definitely definitely in my opinion deserved coach of the year and that's and I'm not even just saying that because I'm biased and I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. But I mean, he kind of walked into a ready-made situation in Chicago with Joakim Noah, Derrick Rose and Luol Deng. Derrick Rose by that point had already been an All-Star. He was an All-Star in uh he was an All-Star in 2010. And he has shown the pro- he has shown the promise when he had uh, Vinny Del Negro as his head coach. Just go look at the uh, 2009 playoffs when the Bulls played the Boston Celtics, and he had the 36 uh, point game. You know, Derrick Rose had already been an All Star when Tom Thibodeau came. He sort of walked into a ready made situation with the Bulls, and there were some issues behind the scene that have been well documented that also contributed to the Bulls not winning a championship, and of course injuries as well. To Derrick Rose and then Joakim Noah having plantar fasciitis and Lou Aldang having issues with dehydration. I remember, I believe he had a spinal tap one year in the playoffs. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau has earned that label of sort of being a, a bit of a tough coach. Sort of similar to what you get, what what has been in the news all year for, in Chicago about Jim Boylan being a hard-nosed coach. How Tom Thibodeau would play Lou Aldang 40 minutes a night. How he would play Jimmy Butler 40 minutes a night. And you just wonder, how does he? How does it look in a rebuild? How will he look as a coach for a team that is in full rebuild mode? This is a team building from scratch. Minnesota, when he got there, they had already had some players in place. When he got to Minnesota, he, re- he arrived in 2017. They had already had Carl Anthony Towns. They had already had Andrew Wiggins. So he had walked into a situation where... Uh, once again, he had a team with young talent, and then they added Jimmy Butler, and that's when Minnesota went to the playoffs in the Western Conference. They were forty-seven. They were forty-seven win team in two thousand eighteen, but in his first year, thirty-one and fifty-three. Excuse me, thirty-one and fifty-one, and then nineteen and twenty-one last season before Ryan Saunders ended up taking over. So it's just. It's just a situation on a table, on the table, where you wonder how will his, t- how will the Tom Thibodeau team, li- or where I wonder how will the Tom Thibodeau-led team look in the modern NBA with the three-point shooting, with the fast-paced offenses, and also how will his minutes management look? How will his minutes management look with with the New York Knicks? And then it's not all on Tom Thibodeau. What pieces can the Knicks bring in? To help him turn the franchise around. These are all questions. That. At some point. If he is the guy hired. Will be answered. And now you got to think about that. You got to also think about that. He hasn't even been hired yet. He's the favorite for the job. But he hasn't been hired yet. But. Say he does get the job. He's been he's been listed as the favorite. It was reported that he has earned a second interview. If he is the guy hired by the New York Knicks, all of these questions will eventually be answered. It's just a matter of sitting back and waiting and seeing if Tom Thibodeau is the answer to helping the New York Knicks turn around their recent misfortunes having not made the playoffs since 2013. And also for Tom Thibodeau, he does have one thing in his favor. 
he is coaching in the Eastern Conference. That is something that in Minnesota that you do have to credit him with. He did get a Minnesota Timberwolves team to the to the playoffs as a Western Conference team. They were a 47-win team and were the 8th seed that year. <laughs> they were the 8th seed that year against the Houston Rockets. There was a point that year where Minnesota was 4th in the West. They were 4th in the West, and then Jimmy Butler got hurt, and then they had a bit of a slide in what was a very tightly contested Western Conference that year. So Tom Thibodeau has... He does have some things in his favor that he took a a team that was relatively young with the addition of Jimmy Butler, who had by that point become a star thanks to the coaching of Tom Thibodeau in Chicago. So he does have that. He does have that reputation with his relationship with Jimmy Butler and helping Minnesota reach the playoffs. But also on the other side of the coin, you have those questions of how will he look in a long-term rebuild and also can his style of play translate the the style of play that he is known to coach? Can the style of play that he is known to coach translate to the NBA in 2020 or 2021, 2022 moving forward? Those are questions that remain to be seen, but it also still remains to be seen if he'll even be hired for the New York for the New York Knicks head coaching job. But we'll definitely keep an eye on that situation and we'll revisit this on a later episode here on the World Class Hoops Podcast. Silence! Silence! Huh? Art of the Signs. A-L-T-S with the realest, Justin Adams. Well, I don't even know you, and I hate your guts. The realest boxing podcast here bringing you the realest in boxing news, analysis, breakdowns, and previews. That's some international top shelf hating that. Come do a big with the realest every Friday. Visually, YouTube and Facebook, audio, SoundCloud, Google and Apple Podcasts. Learning from the master is your pay, punk. Back here on the World Class Hoops Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chris Rouse, coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. And right now, I'm going to go into a topic. I'm actually going to wrap up the show with this topic the uh, NBA restart. The NBA restart, and honestly, I've really had a hard time approaching how I wanted to talk about this on this episode. Like, how did I want to go about talking about the NBA restart? We we have NBA teams that have now arrived down in Orlando, and there have been teams already practicing, beginning their sort of their training camp to get ready for the restart. The Orlando Magic. Have been down there. They're they're down there obviously because it's in Orlando. But then you've also had other teams like the Clippers have arrived with Kawhi Leonard and Landry Shamit did not make the trip. And you look at this season, and it and I'm really just gonna kind of just I guess spit from the heart on this one. I mean, I really this is really a really a tough subject to talk about for me because it's it's so polarized and it's been a very polarizing subject. Not just within like debates that you see on social media or debates that you see on other sports media, but personally, it's been a very polarizing topic for me within because because there have been two questions that it's, it just always seems like it's two questions today. I don't know what's going on, but two questions for me. It's been two two main things that I've constantly just wondered. One. What will it take for the NBA to cancel this season? And two, 
if this season is played as planned and it actually finishes and we do crown a champion, will there be an asterisk on on the championship for the team that actually wins the 2020 NBA championship? I'm gonna answer these questions in reverse order because I I have a little bit more for the for the first question I had about what it will take for the NBA to cancel the 2020 NBA season. Now, as far as the asterisk on the NBA champion for this year, up until June, I was in the camp of no, it wouldn't be an asterisk on whoever won the NBA championship because of the fact that all teams were going through the coronavirus pandemic. Every team had to deal with the risk of COVID-19. Every team was going to have to come out and try to restart originally. Now, before we actually had a restart plan, I was in the camp thinking like every team was going to come out and every team was going to have to do the same thing. And then we were going to go from there. And then everybody had to deal with the same situation. Since then, my opinion has completely flipped. And there definitely will be an asterisk on whoever wins the championship this year. And the reason why my opinion has changed is just because one, the, the most obvious answer the number of players that we have that are sitting out of this, that are likely going to have to sit out of this, this restart. One of the first guys that immediately comes to mind is Spencer Dinwiddie, who had tested positive for the for uh, the coronavirus. And then, honestly, when you look at just look at the list of the guys, you got a number of players that have tested positive for the coronavirus, and I'm and that's not even counting. Players that did that tested for it early on, such as Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz. Players like Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics, who tested positive back on uh, March the 19th. But, I mean, I'm talking about guys that are testing positive for it now within the last few weeks. Let's, I'm just going to name June the 23rd. The Phoenix Suns had two players test, two unnamed players test positive. Nikola Jokic, the Denver Nuggets big man. Malcolm Brogdon of the Indiana Pacers on June the 24th. Victor Oladipo did not test positive, but he selected to sit out. Most recently, the Washington Wizards have two players, Gary Payton Jr., Thomas Bryant, that tested positive. Bradley Beal decided to sit out. He also had an injury. Victor Oladipo, who was actually back on the floor prior to the pandemic, he said he wanted to sit back because he... Felt that he wanted to come back stronger next season. You also have Trevor Ariza who set out because of a personal reason. Avery Bradley of the Los Angeles Lakers. Trevor Ariza, by the way, the Ford who plays for the, um, I'm blanking. I want to say <laughs> it's the Portland Trailblazers. Man, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, I was literally reading it for like a split second. And my mind just forgot how to say Portland. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> Trevor Reza sitting out. Now his more of a personal reason as well. Avery Bradley sitting out. And that's just with players sitting out because of the coronavirus. And then you have the issue of social unrest and social injustice, which has been an issue that has been huge within the NBA circle. Not even just in the NBA circle, or in the world, but 
within the NBA circle as well for the sake of what we're, for what we're talking about right now has been a huge issue. You see, you see Patty Mills coming out talking about how he thinks players should go out there and try to raise their money and then and give their money towards organizations that are against social injustice. Dwight Howard decides to donate his money, and then you cut you add all of that, and then you add the players themselves seeming like they don't want to go. Joel Embiid. Got off the plane, full hazmat suit. And then it was reported to Joel Embiid in, in one of the interviews that he had, he even said that he didn't trust his fellow NBA players during, during the bubble that they're going to have down there in Orlando. Damian Lillard on Instagram had posted a picture with his family with a caption that said, feel like I'm going to do a bid. Not funny. Not funny that he feels that way. I just thought it was interesting that he just outright put it that way. I, I, I just like people that are out front. I just like people that are just out front with what they're feeling. Damian Lillard's Instagram caption. Feel like I'm going to do a bid with a shaking head emoji. Headed to the bubble. And you just wonder... At what point will some of these players, will some of the players reach their breaking point where they say, you know what, maybe I don't want to be down here in Orlando. Maybe I don't want to play. I mean, they're, they're tied to the confines of this bubble. And then on top of that, there are other safety issues, such as how the, that there are employees that will be working within the bubble. And it is rumored that they won't be tested as much as the NBA players will be. That's been one of the main points of contention for the NBA players. It's just a really polarizing issue. And once again, I'm ever the basketball fan. I would really love to see an NBA champion crown. But I'm at the point now where I really don't want to see an NBA season. Even though it's all fully scheduled and it is going to happen on July the 30th. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to watch. If it happens, I will be watching. But from my perspective, just as a human being here, just I'm just speaking as a human being, I really don't want to see a season this year. Just because I just because personally, as I look at it. Is the is the short term solution to an NBA season really worth the long term gain? Excuse me, is the short term solution to the NBA season. Is this short-term solution to an NBA season really worth the long-term risk that the NBA is enduring right now? Which leads me to my second question that I asked, which was, what will it take? What would it take for the NBA to cancel this season? And it's a really, it's a really dark question but I, it's also a question that when you see this many players testing positive for coronavirus and you see players sitting out and you see players obviously trying to express that they're uncomfortable with this situation, you get to a point where you wonder if that's how they feel, 
what would it take for the NBA to say, you know what, if you are players, which is what the league is built on, the players, the entertainment that they provide on a nightly basis, if you guys are not comfortable with our situation that we're enduring right now, what will it take for the NBA to say, you know what, if they're uncomfortable, we're uncomfortable. What will it take for that to happen? And in a situation with a pandemic, with a virus that has been proven to be deadly, such as COVID-19, coronavirus, you begin to wonder, what will it take for the NBA to decide, you know what, let's not have a season. And it's just a thought worth having. You, you start to wonder, will it take a whole team getting coronavirus? Will it take a player death? What, what will it take for the NBA to decide, hey, maybe we shouldn't be playing basketball? And like I said, if they put if the NBA continues and which it is scheduled to do on July the 30th, I will definitely be watching. I'll definitely be watching the NBA. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'll definitely watch. But it's also in my mind that they have to be very cautious. There are too many moving parts to this situation. You got you got workers down there. You got players that have to get tested on a daily basis. You have media. There are a lot of moving parts here. And it's just a situation that if you're going to be all the way honest, if you're really going to talk about this topic, which I'm doing now, you just have to be all the way honest and put everything on the table. That this situation could take a sharp left turn. And this could be very detrimental to the long-term future of the NBA. If there's a player that gets sick. And then can never suit up on the court again. It's just something you have to be it's just something you have to be cognizant of in a situation like this. I'm not saying that the NBA isn't. I'm just asking the question from my perspective. Asking my asking the question from my perspective so I can get my opinion in on it. That's all I'm doing here. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. Don't get me wrong, I'm honest I like I'm I keep saying if they play, I'll be watching. I do want to see an NBA champion. But personally, if it was up to me, you know, sort of like Nas, you know, the Nas, if I ruled the world version, <laughs> you know, the rapper Nas. If I ruled the world with this situation, well, one, if, if I ruled the world, there'd be no coronavirus. There'd be no COVID-19, first off. But say I didn't have that option. And then I had to deal with it. If, say, I had to still deal with this situation, even if, if I say I had to still deal with this situation, if I were the one in charge, there wouldn't be an NBA season right now. I would just, I would just cancel this NBA season and then wait and see what happens with the coronavirus issues moving forward until we can get this pandemic under control and we can get it to a point where there's a vaccine or we can get it to the point where you don't have these spikes that we've been seeing in certain states including florida where there have been a lot of spikes 
in coronavirus cases. There wouldn't be a season until the virus was more under control. But I don't rule the world. And this is what we have going on right now. And it's a situation that, once again, will have to be watched closely. Will have to be ver- watched very closely, not just and not just for the players, but for everyone that is within that bubble in Orlando. It's just a very polarizing topic. And when you really look at it for the NBA moving forward, it really just it may not seem like it's worth the long term risk <laughs> of what could happen on the other side should corona should coronavirus should a player test positive for coronavirus or should it get any more out of hand and should it spike any more down in Orlando or down in Florida? Now that was a little bit of a morbid topic. I know it's a little bit dark, but it's just something that if you're going to talk about the NBA restart, you do have to mention it. It's just being honest. It's something that has to be mentioned. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just putting it on the table. Now, if now if the season does continue, I am interested in seeing who could win the NBA championship. And when you talk about who could win the NBA championship, for me all season, or for me when the pandemic began anyway, there were four teams that were favorites. I'm dr- I'm going to try to take this back to the basketball court now because like I don't I don't like in I don't like in the shows on dark notes. I'm just just one another one. I got a lot of hangups, but anyway, this is I don't like ending the show on dark notes. But anyway, should there be an NBA championship? I know this is going to sound weird to say, but I feel for four teams <laughs> that if they were to win an NBA title, that this season is going to be hit with an asterisk. One, the Los Angeles Lakers. Two, the Los Angeles Clippers. Three, the Milwaukee Bucks. And four, the Toronto Raptors. And should those teams win the, M- win the NBA championship this year, it'll be tough. It'll be tough for them in terms of being able to shake that shake that notion that this season was met with an asterisk. But honestly, for those four teams, if they win, I'm just being honest. I can see I can sit back and say, you know what? I really don't think they need an asterisk. Those four teams were out in front. Those four teams were out in front long before the pandemic. I mean the the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks were were well ahead of the pack in the Eastern Conference prior to the uh pandemic. Los Angeles Lakers, well, well in front of the pack out in the Western Conference before the coronavirus pandemic. The Toronto Raptors, second place behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Los Angeles Clippers, second place behind the Los Angeles Lakers. Five and a half games back of the Lakers, but in second place. Those four teams were ahead of everybody. Toronto had a three-game lead on the next possible team to catch them, which was Boston. The Denver Nuggets, a team that was a game and a half back of the Los Angeles Clippers. Some of these teams 
had legit chances at winning NBA championships. But unfortunately, this coronavirus pandemic did happen. And now it's going to change the way we look at it for this season. And in terms of if those are the teams, those four teams are the ones to win the NBA championship this year, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough break for those teams. Pretty tough break. But I mean... I mean, it's really out of everyone's hands. Who who saw this coming? It's just one of those situations where if you when, when you talk when you talk basketball, you know how you have those debates. Yeah, well, they won, but you know, this guy was hurt, or yeah, they won, but uh, you know, he was playing with this injury. You know, you, you see those debates all the time, you hear those ba- debates, see those debates all the time. And that this season is gonna be part of that is gonna be one of those debates. Yeah. Yeah, the Lakers or Clippers won, or yeah, the Bucks or Raptors won, but, you know, all those other teams didn't, like the Nets, without pretty much most of their roster. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie, they, they're without Torian Prince. They had to add Jamal Crawford the other day. They also, I didn't see a confirmation that Michael Beasley actually did get signed by Brooklyn, but I did see that they were in talks with him to bring him in. And but yeah, the Wizards, the Nets, teams depleted by the coronavirus outbreak, or by players that want to sit out because of it, like Davis Bertans of the Wizards, Bradley Beal, thirty point per game, Bradley Beal, second leading scorer in the league, he won't be playing for the Wizards. Now he has a he has a different reason from coronavirus for why he's sitting. I believe he's sitting out with the shoulder injury. But it's still, it's just still something that in the long term, I guess the long term legacy of the 2020 NBA season, you know, seasons do have legacies too. I mean, like the 96 season, the Chicago Bulls, the 2016 season, the 73 win Warriors and Kobe Bryant's last, last game. Seasons do tend to have legacies sometimes as well. And the legacy of this 2020 season Unfortunately for whoever is to be the champion will be marred by the asterisk of the coronavirus. And that's just that's just that's just something that has to be mentioned. Just being honest, (laughs) just being honest moving forward. And moving forward. It'll be interesting to see. How this NBA restart plays out as they get ready to take the court on July the 30th, in which we will be watching closely here on the World Class Hoops podcast. All right, that'll do it for us here on this edition of the World Class Hoops podcast. If you like what you hear, you can follow the World Class Hoops podcast on social media first on Twitter at WCHP. Network and also Facebook.com at WCHP Network as well. Also, you can catch the podcast anywhere. Podcasts are heard. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. And then also, feel free to follow me on social media at KingRouse21, K-I-N-G-R-O-U-S-E 21. One last time, I want to shout out, happy birthday 
to my co-host Joseph Gregory on our show Students of the Game. Here's Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. on the Students of the Game Facebook page. Facebook.com at Students of the Game Chicago on Twitter at SOTG Chicago. And also, if you are a boxing fan, check out the Art of the Science Boxing Podcast hosted by the guy that introduced me, actually, Justin Adams. <laughs> He'll be also my co-host on Students of the Game, Justin Adams. And he's the uh, voice of the intro here on the World Class Hoops Podcast, which also I'd like to say, once again, thank you, Justin, for helping me uh, try to Try to, I guess, recreate my vision here for the World Class Hoops Podcast, formerly known as the Windy City Hoops Podcast. Hey, hey, I'm from Chicago. It's always, I'll always be a Chicagoan until Chicago end, as Kanye West once said. But, um, you know, I'm still going to cover Chicago. Just wanted to make a bit of a change here and try to, try to expand upon, expand upon my vision here for the World Class Hoops Podcast. And that's what we're going to do moving forward. And hopefully you guys will be willing to continue to come back and tune in and be a part of this journey here on the World Class Hoops Podcast as we try to cover hoops content all around the world where notable hoops content can be found. So once again, that'll wrap it up here from the 10616 Productions Studios. In Chicago, Illinois. I don't know if you guys can hear, but my voice has been a little bit scratchy. Been a bit of a rough week. I went back to work this week. Been a bit of a rough week. You know, I got a bit of that, a bit of that uh, director's voice going on. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> from directing some baseball games. But until next time, hopefully you guys tune in next time here with another edition of the World Class Hoops Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night wherever you may be. And hopefully you tune in to episode two of the World Class Hoops podcast. For now, that's a wrap. That's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the World Class Hoops podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, wherever you may be.